And welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. This is Ricky Gans along with Mike Miller and Nathaniel Porter. Again, this is G220 Radio. Uh, we've got a good series for you that we started last week and we're going to continue into uh, this month and maybe even into April, I believe, uh, because we're going to be getting into First uh, John after tonight. But tonight we are dealing with Third John. Uh, it's a series, as I said, we started uh, last week and we went through Second John. Uh, so uh, let me talk to these guys and see uh, what's going on with them and their thoughts on getting into this this epistle here uh, of Third John. Mike, what's up, brother? Doing pretty good. Got the gout, but you know, Third John might help be a smoothing bond to such element. I'm not even going to ask, but. And then we've got uh, Nathaniel Porter. As I said, the original Natty P is here um, with us and uh, looking a bit confused over there. I don't know what he's, what he's doing, um, if he's making, making eyes at me or, or what. But uh, what's going on, brother? How are we doing? Uh, I just didn't know. <clears throat> I never heard of, I thought gout you got from not having enough like fish or something how do, how do you get no something? if you eat too much feet fish you can if you eat gout. too much feet that would be a problem yeah you get it in your feet so you got it from eating feet so now you have too many feet yeah there you go sounds about right not our topic but obvious obviously now that it's making some some sense to me because the image that we have up for, um, you know, tonight's episode is uh, walking in the truth. <laughs> so Mike's kind of laying that out there. We got it. Get it. Hopefully you can understand what's going hobbling. on as well. Yeah, hobbling. So um, <clears throat> it's going to be a good topic. Last week, guys, we, we talked about Second John. We was able to make it through an entire show. We went a little longer than we normally do. Uh, just a little bit. Um, but we've, we, we, hear, we here at G220 Radio, we have that option if we choose to do so because we're not regulated by um, FM yeah. radio or any type of uh, regulations. FTC. They regulate. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to get into Third John today, and I think we should be able to cover this chapter as well. Second John, the shortest book in the Bible, shortest letter that we have in the scripture and uh third John is right behind it. A uh, very short, short letter. Um, so some, some fresh refresher from last week, uh, Mike, you said that second John, uh, could have been, uh, or looks like it may have been the, uh, cover letter to first John. Uh, and so now we're getting into third John and some things that kind of, stood out to me as I was reading through this is one of the things we see in second John, which we mentioned last week is this reference to this elect lady. And we mentioned that that was, uh, and could be, and what we all three pretty much believed it to be was a reference to the church. Right. Um, and in this one, it's a little bit more specific to it names an individual here. And so we're going to go ahead and get in and read this. Uh, Mike, if you want to go ahead and read uh, this uh, 
3rd John, and we'll kind of break it down. Uh, you can set it up, read however you want to go through section, and we'll break that up. And Mike, Mike will be our reader for tonight, and uh, we will break this chapter or this epistle down, which is really just one chapter, but the third, third book of John. Third three John. Yeah, three John. Our British friends there. Yeah. Um, so, John, who's not identified, but we think it's John. But written by the Holy Spirit, says, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, behold, or beloved, I like behold better, beloved, I pray that it may go well with you and that you may be in good health and it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Yeah. And, and this guy is, uh, that we see here, I've got this book that I picked up, Everyone in the Bible. <clears throat> and it basically gives you the names of all these people, and you can kind of look up different names in a Bible, and it tells you kind of where you find them. A uh, nice little helpful resource. Picked it up at the thrift store. Uh, I was kind of just looking through some of these names tonight here before the program. And uh, when it comes to, to Gaius, we see him mentioned here. And there's some other mentions of Gaius in the scriptures, of a few other references. Uh, but some do not believe that, th- that they're all referencing the same. They're, they're different individuals. Uh, the only similarity with this Gaius and one in Romans, uh, I think it is 16.23, is they were both hospitable, which we will kind of get into. Doesn't necessarily mean they're the same person, um, but there's a reference to them, the, these two Gaiuses being hospitable. Um, and so I, I find that uh, there's really not a lot on Gaius. Yeah, I was listening to Pastor uh, Michael Foster down at... Uh... East River Church, Batavia, Ohio. And he was saying that that uh, Gaius was like Chuck or something like that. It's like a really common name. So there's like Gaius on every corner, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You see here, I mean, obviously John doesn't name himself. Um, but you have the elder. Um, again, similar language is used in Second John. You know, the elder to the elect lady. And I think, again, the themes and why which thing we think John write, writes this is he talks about whom I love in truth. And John, more than kind of any other author really lays down this idea of truth. We saw it last week. Um, Again, start out right away. That he loves him in truth and then gives him a blessing. Again, traditional uh, language of a letter in the Roman era. Uh, Last week, we saw it as grace, mercy, and peace. Here he just gives them a praise for him that, you know, he'd be that all goes well and maybe of good health. 
which let's not take it to the prosperity gospel, but that's a good thing to pray for good health. And he connects that with the soul. So he prays, may it go well with you, leave me in good health as it goes with your soul. And I do think this is important when we think about what he's what he's kind of saying here and developing a theology of the body. Mm-hmm. That our bodies and our souls are connected. So we've been in the catechism, we're teaching my daughter kind of starts off with of what we're Adam and Eve made of or of what we're Adam and Eve made. And it's clear goes, God made Adam um, a body out of the dust and formed Eve out of Adam. And then it talks about what did God give Adam and Eve besides body? He gave them souls that can never die. And I think when we think of, we need to, understand that our soul and our body are connected that poor spiritual health in a sense can bring on poor health in the body and we kind of see this in depression if we're going to kind of like the ultimate example of someone whose soul is in darkness they're thinking you know, their thoughts are captive by this darkness. And so does their bodies, their bodies wither away with it. And so here, John kind of not really make, trying to make some of this theology, of the body we see here right away that, you know, wishing well on someone is not just that they're healthy physically, but that also translate translate into a healthy spiritual life. Yeah. And I think it's, it's important to point out too, like what, what you're saying there, Mike is while this may be, have been a typical kind of greeting that, you know, people would do when they're writing a letter to someone. I mean, I think we do it in our own context today. If, People probably don't write letters as much as they used to, you know, a handwritten letter taking the time to write something out to someone. But there are things that we usually uh, custom to putting into letters. And I don't think here that, that um, John is only just writing this as just, this is something I put in there. This is genuine, genuine love and concern for this brother uh, or, or that he says he wants, that he's praying for. Even back in first one, when he says to beloved Gaius, it's very personal. Like, this is a brother I love. I love this brother, you know, um, who I'm, I love in the truth. Not only do I love this, this individual, this brother, but we're both connected in the truth. And we, we talked about the truth last week, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk more this week as well. But there's this genuine love for this brother. Uh, and then he says it calls him beloved again. He beloved, it's personal. It's it's directed toward this this individual. We we see this term used of the saints, you know, as a, as a collective unit. But here, John is writing to this individual, and he says, "Beloved, I pray that you may go well, or it may go well with you, and that you may have good health." And I think it's it's very important what you are saying, Mike, that we understand that we should be praying for the health of our brothers and sisters. 
we should be, especially those who are in the truth, and, and as we get a little bit further in this, who are seeking to serve our Lord and Master Christ, who's, who's out on mission uh, in their daily lives trying to serve Him and, and, and share the good news, um, and praying for their health and their spiritual well-being. And as you said, Mike, those are connected, you know. Yeah, if uh, someone with a uh, well-fed soul uh, is going to have have a healthy, healthy soul and a prosperous soul, you want that person to have good health as well, because uh, then their their area of operations increases. You know, if, if I'm confined to a stick bed, I'm kind of like Paul. I can witness to a few people chained to where I'm at. You know, like when it was. Uh, preaching to the Praetorian guard who is chained to him all day and night. But if I have a healthy body and I can get up and walk around, I can do more stuff. Gaius was obviously a very hospitable person. And you can only show so much hospitality from a sick bed. You can be, you know, smile at people and greet them and whatnot. But whenever you're uh, healthy, uh, you can be hospitable to strangers as we'll see. And, uh, Serve, serve more people. So, so, so yeah, it's a good, good thing to pray for people, uh, especially a good brother like guys. No, yeah, we see too. Um, kind of the grounding and the reason for it. Um, for his prayer this way, it's because. People have come to John. They've testified about Gaius and that he rocks in the truth. And this caused him to rejoice and pray that this will continue. You know, making this statement, I have no greater joy to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So John finds reasons to rejoice for people walking in the truth. We talked a little bit about this last week in second John, the similar language given that he rejoiced in the faith of the elect lady and her children. And so here, John just again, pouring out this idea that we should rejoice when we see people walking in the truth, when we see other Christians walking in the truth. They may be baby Christians, they may be mature Christians, but nonetheless, we should rejoice that they are walking. That unlike the foolish one in Psalm 1, they're the ones who are meditating day and night on the law, and we should rejoice in that and to and help them and continue and encourage them to continue to to continue walking in the truth. Right. We see here, uh, talks about, I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. And I think, uh, it would seem to me that this, like when Paul talks about, uh, Timothy is beloved son or talks about, I think perhaps Philemon that he had begotten, uh, in the faith. There's, there's other ones he talks about like that. Uh, so, so like these people that he's discipled uh, that, that are like children to him, spiritual children. Um, 
so yeah, it's like you, you disciple someone in the faith, you see someone come to Christ, maybe you preach to them and they first, first heard the gospel from you or something. Um, and what joy that gives whenever you, they see you uh, or you see them progressing and uh, making headway in their faith. Yeah. Yeah, there is this, this rejoicing that it just, I think, naturally comes to someone who has discipled someone else and they see them growing, walking in the truth, as you're saying, as what, what John's saying here in his letter. And then you see them discipling other people. I mean, that's even, there's just more rejoicing. Um, I, I, I think that even when we think about our legacy, right, we think about what we leave here, what, what witness we leave when we walk out of this earth and into eternity. I don't think it just, when we stand before the Lord on that final day for the, the rewards we may receive, not that we're doing things seeking rewards, I don't think it's only this, what I did in this lifetime, but what about that legacy that I invested in discipling other people who then discipled other people who then discipled other people, and these people are walking in truth? You know what I mean? Like there's this, the, the, the impact that you have on these individuals, and John is seeing these, these brothers, and he's rejoicing in them walking in truth, and then those Gaius and these ones that, that he's discipled to see them uh, going and walking in truth, we should just rejoice uh, immensely in the, the idea that our brothers, people that we are seeing and, and, and investing the time in, are walking in what is true. And as was already mentioned, and we talked about it last week, it, for me, thinking through these things, we was looking at Second John, looking at First John, and, and Mike, you'd already alluded to this, sometimes a new Christian, a brand new Christian, doesn't have everything all figured out. But yet we can rejoice in the fact that we are connected, that we are uh, united in truth of the gospel. Uh, which we're going to probably, well, we're going to get to here a little bit later as well. Yeah, and to to put this in perspective, obviously, John is joyful in his salvation and it, and what he does. But there's a sense in, when we think about this no greater joy, is finding the deeper joy that's in it, that continues and spurs and even an overflow of his own joyfulness in which God has already demonstrated in him. And you, even Paul um, completes this idea of, you know, complete my joy. It's not that he doesn't have joy, but there's this other aspect of adding to, making it deeper and better. And so John has a, just a real connection and, and in a sense has more joy. And at this point, kind of, he's saying, like there is outside of, You know, including with his being saved, he, there's this greater joy 
and seeing other people also walk. And I think that's something to think of. I mean, just dealing my own at times at liberty skeptical when someone came to Christ because I knew kind of the half-hearted gospel presentation at times given. And I think this challenges us to rethink that and to consider it. Now, obviously, the fruits will display what they may. And we know that false converts have lots of joy at f- front and then fall away. But we have to take them, I mean, not knowing the heart, the presentation. So I think this really calls us to experience not only joy in our own salvation, but the joy that others can bring as we are kind of encouraged and to continue and seeing them walk in the faith and rejoice in that God has saved them and they continue to walk in obedience of him. Yeah. Why don't we go ahead and move on to uh, the next, next section there, brother. So Starting in verse five, beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all of your efforts to those brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they had gone out for the sake of, his, of the name, accepting nothing from Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like those, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Yeah, I think it, what's really interesting in a contrast to um, last week's show when we talked about in Second John where do not even bring these people into your home. Do not give them a platform. Do not give them any support, any financial, anything to help them promote their false teaching, right? Um, and yet, so it's not bad to take people in, just taking in bad teachers, false teachers, people that are perverting the gospel. Because what we're seeing here is John saying he, he's, he's commending him here. He's telling him he's faithful for bringing in these missionaries, these men who have come to this town. Uh, and, and as this church, they're bringing them in and they're supporting them. They're, they're, doing, they're, 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 they're financially giving them uh, or giving to them. And even when he sends them out, he's giving them financial support to help them all along their journey. Uh, and I just think that that's, it's very, there, there's, a, there's a few things we can take from that. One, the importance of giving to our local churches for the sake of supporting those doing missions, right? So that we can, as it said, it, it said before, and I'm trying to think who it was, maybe it was William Carey uh, or, or another missionary uh, that's kind of skipping my mind, but basically hold the rope. You know, I'm going to go in, you hold the rope, right? And so what they're doing here is, even Paul says, he doesn't go in and he's not asking these unsaved people to support him in his proclaiming the gospel to them. But it's the church's mission. It's the brothers to support those other brothers who are going out and proclaiming that truth in, in these other countries or these other cities. They're going forth. So we're, those who are able to hold the rope for them, to support them in, in those with, with the means that they need 
to provide for them so that they don't have to go out like a show and like a, a circus show that's traveling, trying to get money. Here's a, here's a, a, a like I think of um, people on the streets that are like doing music or doing things and they put a hat down there or, or a basket trying to get money for their, you know, uh, performance. Because here we're not performing when you're proclaiming the gospel. You're going from town to town sharing the gospel in this time. They're going freely to proclaim the gospel. Paul said, I don't want to take any money from these people, right? And so it should really cause us to think about it as Christians to, make, to think, are we supporting our churches locally and supporting those missions that our churches are funding and trying to, to send out uh, so that people will hear the gospel? Yeah, I think to help and put in context even kind of what he's writing is much more in their time than our time. There's a shame culture, but it's also a community. And so when a traveling evangelist or philosophical teacher, whatever, they would carry letters of recommendations. We see um, Paul talk a lot about this in second Corinthians because the super apostles have these letters of recommendations and they're, they've kind of like, well, Paul, you don't have one. Why should we trust you? And so it's very common for a teacher to be walking around with a letter of recommendation from one community to another. And in, even in light of second John last week, refusing someone is like refusing the community. And so here, what we're seeing John talk about is Gaius, who's accepting these strangers, being a patron for him, and then sending him off. And in that way, he is supporting what John is doing. He is he is giving we'll see here in authority later that a communal bond with them. And like you've mentioned, the difference is these, these people who Gaius is bringing on are bringing the truth. They're walking in the truth. They're testifying of the love that Gaius has. They see how Gaius has treat their brothers in a, in a real sense when we can look at Gaius and say, well, he's a disciple of Jesus because disciples of Jesus love one another. They take care of one another. This is a theme John brings up in his gospel as Jesus is preparing to leave and teaching the, the apostles what to be expect once he's gone. And so we see here a very, an example of what Jesus is talking about. Gaius is loving the other disciples. And John commends him in, in doing that because when we help other disciples, especially in terms of mission and getting the gospel out, we are fellow workers in the truth. So unlike last week where those who reject that, who accept false teachers in their home partake in their evil works have fellowship with them. Here, John is saying, and once in this sense, we have this fellowship with the good works these people are doing. We take part of them. We're supporting them. 
And to then I think it calls for us to really consider how do we support those in need? What does that look like? Obviously, the local church should be first in priority in all of the giving and the support of the advancement of the gospel. And from there, you have your options whom you choose to, to give and not give. But there is, I think here, the idea of supporting others in the gospel and making sure that, like Paul said, you don't muzzle the ox of a faithful preacher by not giving him, allowing him to work, um, giving him paid for the work he does in the gospel, but also other people who are traveling and trying to do it. And maybe in our case, the para ministries that are out there that we would like to support, like the Ligonier or G3 or whatever is your favorite ministry you like to support. Yeah, this is, <clears throat> this is like a really big deal too. Um, what what he's talking about taking in uh, these strangers, uh, these ministers, traveling ministers, because this is like in a day and age where you didn't go down to the, to the, uh, the Hyatt or the Holiday Inn Express and just uh, check into a room real fast. It was back whenever inns inns weren't in, in like great supply, and they probably weren't a great place to go anyway. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them prostitution and whatnot. So. Um, I don't know. You see what happens to people who don't have a place to stay in like judges, like chapter 18 or 19, uh, the the guys traveling from, uh, Bethlehem and he's down, down in Benjamin and stuff and Gibeah. I I forget exactly what the name of the place, but this guy's traveling. He doesn't have a place to stay in. The the guy's like, please don't stay in the square. It's not safe for you here. Like, um, so it's a big deal that the guy in, in, in that part of Judges takes him into his house. He's nice and safe. And it's kind of the same thing we got going on here. These uh, Christian brothers uh, don't take these other brothers in. Uh, there's not a hotel for them to go stay at. So it's like a big deal. It's a much bigger deal that if I, if I roll into town, and I don't have somebody's house to stay at. I just go check in the Holiday Inn. But uh, back in these times, there, there wasn't that luxury. Probably couldn't afford it if there yeah. was. And I think we've seen this in in our context of street evangelism. I, I know brothers, I mean, Nathaniel, we were going down to um, Columbus and Nathaniel stayed here at my house overnight. And then when we went down to Columbus to do ministry down there, it's it's a two hour or so drive and then you're doing ministry all day. We stayed at a brother's house down there overnight and then came back the next day. Um, and, and, and I've seen that often with brothers in the street evangelism community, guys that are going out there preaching uh, on the streets. I've seen them go from state to state staying with brothers in those states that they know for a day or two, visiting with them, maybe doing some ministry in that area, and then moving along. And the the ones that are putting them up have been very hospitable, you know, feeding them and, you know, making sure their needs are are met if they if they had any needs. And so in our context today, I think we've, we, we have, I know I have seen some of that, Nathaniel, you know, uh, and, and it's, it's very encouraging and uh, just 
at times convicting about our hospitality. You know, as we mentioned in the beginning, he's this this Gaius is being commended for his hospitality. Um, and when I was looking something up earlier, um, I was going to mention this earlier, but I didn't. But it kind of still goes into what we're talking about here is when when John Bunyan is writing Pilgrim's Progress, he's looking for or he has a, the innkeeper. He names him Gaius, somebody who's hospitable, you know, um, and, and uh, it, it, it can be convicting as Christians to, to think, are we as hospitable as we can be? Uh, or that we should be, you know, not like making legal checklists and saying you got to do this every time somebody comes around, but just in our own natural affection for a brother and sister who's in need. You know, um, I think sometimes one of the things that we, I think, can lack at times is the hospi- hospitality, you know, being hospitable to somebody in need. Yeah, the way that I started working on that, uh, while back i don't remember how long ago all the years run together um is like I, I like i live in a basement house with one bedroom and no couch so i don't have the ability to have people in entertain very very readily or uh have them stay the night but um one way that i started working on hospitality is if you ever notice uh people in america walk around and they they don't like to make eye contact or or anything like that so so my, my policy is like what i started doing is to work on hospitality and have a, like attitude of hospitality is like always greet people and smile at them and and whatnot so like that's a small small step you can work on to start uh boning up on hospitality even if you don't have means to do more just make sure you don't create that false teacher yes yeah, it's, it's kind of hard they don't wear name tags well the mormons do I accidentally did greet a false teacher, and uh, yeah, and, and they call themselves elder. You think that's who wrote this book, the elder? No, I mean technically, he's still alive. Okay, okay. Do that. Is that is that is that uh, Mormons? Yeah, he's still alive. Okay. Yeah, yep, Mormons he believe he's still alive. I Which get confused the, because Hebrew Israelites have everybody's reincarnated and, and back around here uh, still today too. So, yeah. Which makes it funny when, um, um, Lutheran satire makes a comment, makes a video about, uh, the, the Mormons believing John. I mean, they ask him where he's at and they're like, well, like he's not obviously he's like they have to like make a spiritual aspect or he's hiding or whatever and so they go well when when john joins the church so will i so it's kind of a comment in there so leaving our good friend gaius for a bit we're gonna see the wrong example of how christians should act here in verse nine John writes, I have written something to the church, but Jaiaphas, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I'll bring this up, what he is doing, telling wicked nonsense against us. And not to contend for that, he refuses to welcome the brothers, who also stop those who want to and puts them out of the church. Yes, yeah, so, so what, we, what we have here is like we have a 
tale of two ministers. We have one pastor who's hospitable and and good to the traveling el- traveling missionaries, and then we have this other uh, pastor or elder, whatever you want to say. It, it seems like he's an elder because he can put people out of the church. Um, so it's usually a authority given to elders, um, so to speak. Um, and so Diotrephes, uh, he, uh, he loves to be first. He doesn't mm-hmm. like hospitality is putting others, others first. Like it says in, uh, in Philippians two, don't look out for your own interest, but also the interest of others. Like this guy's the opposite of hospitable. He's trying to be first. He doesn't accept what anybody says. He's above corrections. Uh, probably one of the reasons he doesn't accept the missionaries is because, uh, if if somebody came in who had had also had a good message, uh, they'd be like rivals for his authority, um, and so and he's just like really, really bad guy. Like John's calling him out by name. He's he doesn't so much attack his doctrine. We see he does attack people's doctrine, like we did, like last weekend too, John. Uh, but he he's attacking his deeds. He's just like. Uh, a glory thief and a completely unhospitable guy. Yeah. I think, uh, what's that? No, go ahead. I was going to say, I I think it's, it's really the way that John has written this, you know, you have this contrast, you go from uh, Gaius to Diotrophes and you're just like, it's completely opposite what this guy's doing. Uh, as you said, he's this glory hound. He he he's wanting the limelight, and he doesn't respect the authority of the elders. He doesn't respect you know these guys that are coming in. He's not letting them stay, putting them out. Um, what comes to my mind as I think about these things is, uh, and and I've been in uh, a few places, and I've had conversations with uh, a former guy that was on the on the show. Used to be one of the co-hosts with us. We used to talk about this a lot, and. Um, where you've been in a place somewhere where there's like this, it seems like there's this tension with one of the, the elders or somebody that's teaching. Maybe you're, you're, you're throwing some things out there and they feel challenged because maybe you know the scriptures well. And, you know, you're, you, they feel like, I don't want somebody coming in correcting me if I'm wrong. Not that those are always our intentions to just go and correct everybody that's, you know, off in certain things. But we have a, a commitment to be um, discerning and to just not take everything somebody says, but check it by the Bible. And I mean, that doesn't mean you got to be disrespectful to somebody that's teaching. Um, but there's been places where I've been in a Sunday school class and the guy is recommending the shack to somebody in the, in the, 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 the classroom who doesn't really understand the Trinity, you know? And, and so in my, in, in my situation, I had said something, I didn't know that the, I, at the, at the time, I should probably get a little context. I didn't know that the Sunday school teacher gave this guy the shack as a reference to understand this Trinity. He's sitting next to me and he has the shack book. And I said, Hey man, that's a heretical book. You don't want to, to, to dig into that. And he was like, Oh, the Sunday school teacher gave it to me. And he heard me say those things and I could feel the tension there. I wasn't trying to undercut the the person that was teaching, but, and I talked to him afterwards and it, it turned out 
okay uh, in that situation because he just said, I wasn't aware. I'm like, did you read it? <laughs> like, like, it's not one I would want to be recommending to people. So, so basically what I'm trying to get at is sometimes there can be this, uh, it seemed like contention where you don't want somebody in there because maybe if these people come in who are preaching the truth, walking in the truth, they're going to see you're not. And they're going to expose that. And then if you like the limelight, if you like the glory, you like to be in that position of teaching or preaching, and then somebody's exposing that, that can be taken away from you. So why have these people in here? Let me just push them out. Does that make sense? You know what I'm trying to say there? Yeah. I think when we consider this within the rest of John's corpus, I mean, really what we you kind of see here is would Jaisfus sit in a chair and wash people's feet? Is he willing to serve? And I mean, John's random and Trifus shows himself to be one who is pushing against authority. And I mean, you could could have easily went to verse 11. And I think when this kind of fleshes out that John, I think, implies that Dashrith, Diatrophus, is not a Christian. He doesn't display what it is. Gaius is faithful, but um, Trifus is rejecting authority. And it's, you know, you think of Philippians 2. What does Paul want them to do? He wants, he wants the Philippians believers to think highly of others and not themselves. And Tyrus isn't doing this. He is putting himself first. He wants to be the leader. He wants to be the one in charge. He's rejecting John's authority as an apostle. He's not just rejecting like a pastor. He's rejecting one called by God who experienced who called by Jesus, who lived and lived with Jesus for three years, was trained by him and one whom the keys were given to, to build the church in Matthew 18. And here he's rejecting them. And not only is he rejecting them, I think about it. I'll bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. Like he's, it's not just rejecting him. He's acting like a liberal to Donald Trump. If we want like an example of some of the stuff they said, not that what they Conservatives don't have their own issues with this also with the president, with the current administration, however you want to, to think, think of that. But Dashis shows himself with his pride and rejecting it. He is talking wickedness. He's talking against kind of, we could say the Lord's anointing in this sense. And he sh- continues to show this because he refuses to show hospitality. And when people try to, he exercises church discipline. 
I mean, how you think of bad shepherds of Israel, like Dietrich is in that list. Like if he was a king, like he's just, you kind of feel like maybe he's Ahab a little bit or Jezebel. Mm. And so I think, yeah, when we think about, and just, I mean, the destruction he leaves behind. He's not helping the brothers. He's creating division and, and destroying the church. Yeah. And I think in, in today's society, one of the things maybe we can, we can sort of, as you try to think this through, how, how, how would this look in today? Um, I, I was trying to give it a little example there, but something else that came to my mind. And then you may, you may have mentioned this last week. Maybe it was even, I think it was last week, but somebody who's experienced church hurt. Um, and, and because they've, as you said, this man, th- this type of, of individual who is mistreating the body, uh, by putting them out when they're not, you know, speaking wicked of these, of the, uh, the, this L el- of the elder. The Apostle John and, and those doesn't want to take any of the correction, uh, speaking wicked, evil things. Those people could be hurt um, by an individual like this. And, and how often do we see this? It doesn't mean it's an excuse. So, so don't hear me and think that we have excuses to then forsake the gathering together of the body. But church hurt does happen. When you have spiritually abusive leadership or, or people who are misleading people theologically or even, you know, dangerously in, in abusive ways, um, people get hurt by that. It's affect, you know, people are affected. And, and I think we see that in our, in our society today, because how many, how many times have we run into people who are genuinely hurt and they don't want to open up. They may go to a church, but they don't really want to open up there because they've been hurt by leaders in another place, you know? And, and as, as Christians, that's not the environment you want to create for your people. Um, you know, you want them to be comfortable to come to you if they're struggling with sin or if they're struggling with a situation, getting along with somebody else They you want them to be able to come to you and know that they are loved and they are cared for and that your desire is to shepherd them and to help them walk through those things. You know, especially when it, it seems as if they're, they're genuinely repentant of whatever that may be that they're struggling with and they want to get past it. They want to move forward. They want to get closer in their walk with the Lord and, and put these fleshly things behind. You know, um, and I think that we do see that sometimes in our context of today. Yeah, most definitely. I think knowing that, knowing that there's diatrophies out there who do this kind of stuff uh, could help us to also be aware and uh, somewhat compassionate for people who don't want to go to church. Um, You know, like, uh, not to make an excuse for their sin of forsaking the gathering or whatever, but like, uh, it might help you to understand where they're coming from at least and uh, be able to as a fellow brother, you ought to shepherd them uh, a little bit differently than just assuming that maybe they uh, just want to sleep in on Sunday or something. Maybe they've legit, legitimately been hurt 
And so just knowing that, that this type of leader is out there could help you to have, have compassion for people um, who otherwise just don't seem to be walking right. But maybe, maybe there's a good explanation of how they got that way. And it would, knowing that could help you lead them back to a church with a Gaius. Yeah. I mean, you think about the lack of trust when someone has experienced something like a church being unhospitable, you know, not hospitable, as long as it's related to the truth, not being gracious. It does consider, I mean, I heard a sermon, not my pastor, but this pastor said that his job is not to encourage people. And I sat there in almost complete disbelief of what I just heard from a pastor. Because the church is a time to get away from the world and to be refreshed and to be encouraged and to be exhorted to continue to fight the good fight. In a sense, the pastor's job is to encourage Christians to be more holy than they were the week before and give them the tools through the teaching of God's word to be able to do that. Jeffries is just, he's the pastor who wants to increase the church budget so he can get a bigger paycheck. Mm. He wants more people in so that he can do it. And if you're going to, take away what is good. It is one part of that. And that's a strong warning. What, you know, when you're looking for a church, yeah. Spiritual abuse is a real thing. It needs to be taken seriously. There's another, another thing that you can, uh, could be a red flag. If you're church, church shop, shopping, not hopping, shopping, uh, is, uh, diatrophy is clearly a big personality. If you got a church where it's, centered around one one personality it's like a red flag i would say yeah and, and i'll throw a name out there that just kind of jumps into my mind is steven furtick you know yeah. very very charismatic very um what what do they say it not it's not eisegesis with him it's um self-agesis narcissus there you go um you know yes, what's that so that's what they say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the term that I've heard with him is because, I mean, even with a few years back, uh, MacArthur, John MacArthur had, was asked a question about Furtick, and he said, unqualified. I think it's what he said, like, unqualified. And Stephen Furtick, instead of taking what an elder in the faith who's been doing this for, I don't know, 50 years in his pulpit, preaching faithfully, there's no scandals with MacArthur, you know, he's been faithful to the, to, the, to the preaching of God's word. And he says something like this, instead of taking it to heart and looking back and saying, is there areas that are wrong in me? He writes a book and just titles it in, in pride, unqualified, right? Um, it's kind of like this mocking type thing. And that's kind of what we see here. Somebody who likes the limelight, somebody that, as you said, uh, Nathaniel, who's got this big personality, that when somebody's criticizing them, they take that and they gloat in it rather than self-examine and say, 
maybe maybe there's some truth to some of these things people are saying. I don't want to dishonor the Lord, so I need to get these things right if these are, are, are areas where I'm, I, I am failing or I, I'm not leading my people well. Um, kind of finish off the body of the letter in verse 11. John writes, Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I think kind of to wrap up this, like you get to the heart of what John is talking, is don't imitate evil, but imitate good. And understanding that good comes from God. And those who do evil have not, has not seen God. I mean, just think about that, the wording, the one who does good comes from God and kind of implies that he has seen God. But the one who does evil, he hasn't seen God. I think when we consider our examples given, it, it's really clear on which one who comes from God and which one who doesn't. And this matters because he's sending someone else and he's trying to secure the provisions needed. Knowing that he has a good word and is giving it now to Gaius to receive this person and not be like Diophilus, who probably in one sense, I think we can kind of be a little greedy of, especially if he has the fame, the money, the wealth. But I think John just, he grounds it back. Don't imitate him. Imitate good, because good comes from God. Yeah, our desire as Christians should not be when we look at those who are uh, doing evil, but yet prospering uh, and seem to be doing well. Um, I mean, think of in our context, we think of guys like I mentioned Stephen Furtick, guys like Joel Osteen, T.D. Jakes, guys who are perverting God's word, but yet making millions of dollars or, or large sums of money. I don't know what they're, they're technically worth, but large amounts of money off their prosperity pimping. You know, um, we shouldn't look at that as Christians and say, uh, man, I want to be like these guys. I want to have these kind of book deals. I want to have these large churches. Uh, just be faithful with what the Lord has given to you uh, and be faithful in your walk with the Lord. That's why, we, why I titled this, this program, Are You Walking in the Truth? Uh, don't imitate evil. Do what is good. You know, w- walk in accordance with God's word. Um, are you walking in that truth? Are you one that John could rejoice in as one of these children that are walking in the truth? Or are you like diatrophies, you know, um, seeking your own glory, seeking your own uh, fame and, and uh, putting people out who challenge that? Uh, we don't want to be that guy. Um, we want to uh, 
be desirous of, uh, because again, it's not that we, we covet, as you were saying earlier, you know, um, being greedy, I think like probably meant like uh, covetousness or, or coveting towards, you know, this guy or, or desiring to be like that. But we, we should desire to imitate those who are walking in a godly manner. Like Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So when we can look to these examples of men who are being faithful, we can in a right way desire and say, Lord, I want to be faithful like this. I want to, I want to be hospitable. I want to do the things to love my brethren uh, as this example is given here before me because it, it encourages me, but it also convicts me when I'm not doing those things. It should. That's what God's word should be doing when we're not um, uh, walking in, in a way that uh, uh, we should as, as Christians. Yeah, and just like uh, contrary, contrary to the advice of the world, like the world, especially in the United States right now, like it uh, find someone who looks like you who's in power and that somebody you can look up to. Um, like uh the vice uh president is like a black lady in power and so like uh the the advice of the culture is like oh she's a role model for little black girls but but in reality uh what it's telling us here is don't don't imitate what is evil don't don't imitate her i mean you can do some research she's an evil woman um and just cuz she's uh, in power and looks a certain way has a certain ethnicity doesn't mean she's someone to be imitated john says here imitate somebody that's good go imitate that guy down at your local church who nobody's ever heard of who doesn't actually look like you who's actually the opposite sex uh, of you because you're a little girl like, go imitate him don't follow the advice of the culture and just go for somebody in power that just happens to look like you You know it's like con- contrary you like it test their deeds and see like, are this, is this person evil or is this person good? And should they be imitated? Like, and I, I don't know, maybe, maybe our culture has done that a long time with like sport, sports stars, even, even, even though uh, like, yeah, like Charles Barkley said, I'm not a role model, but, but like, um, and I guess it's still kind of true because everyone wanted to be like Mike cause he was good at basketball, but, I don't know know that much about Michael Jordan's character, but like you have other sports stars that have like good on a court and bad bad character. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I got my point across. Is that did you guys pick that up? Did yeah, I say yeah. I think in the imitate good relates then into when we think of um, Demetrius. He has a good testimony from everyone, so he is kind of well-liked, which is when we think of the um, qualifications of an elder, has the same. Like, he's not one who is hated because he's done something wrong to them. He's in general well-liked. But his testimony is also from the truth itself. Like Gaius, he is walking in the truth. So the truth testifies about his character. And not only that, you know, John and the community, John testifies about his character 
and relaying that he that Gaius knows the character of them and to accept it. And so the imitating good is related to having a good testimony. Are you as the title of the show is walking in the truth? Are you walking obedience to the command? Are you, as we talked about last week, have you received the commandments of God with happiness? Are you walking in love and what that looks like? That's the imitation we are to bring. That is what kind of bringing all of John thoughts and even Paul who doesn't disagree with him here as Ricky quoted, he wants people to imitate him as he follows Christ. So not to imitate his wrongdoings, but his goods. Um, again, we you think about it, even, I mean, imitates a good one. Mimic is the Greek word that's kind of behind it. The English variant of the greek word that is imitate and so again if we think about mimic and what that means that's what we're called to do we're called to look at people who imitate christ and to follow their deeds which is why we should read about people in church history to learn what they did. How did they obey? How did they overcome trials? We should listen to people in our own church in the same way. I think we have the examples, as the writer of Hebrew would say, we have this crowd of witnesses. Yeah. We can, we can go to and look to for faithfulness. And I think it's interesting, too, in, in this book, you, you have a few different names mentioned, and we don't know a lot about these individuals outside of, of this book. I think uh, in this book that I, I said I picked up, this book that kind of just gives you the names of everybody in the scripture and where you can find them. Now, again, we don't know a lot about Demetrius. He's mentioned twice in the Bible. You've, you've got this mention here in Third John, but then there's also a mention, and, and it, it could be, Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I mean, we don't really have, I think, the evidence to prove or disprove it one way or the other. But if you think about this, think about this, if he is. The only other mention that we get of Demetrius is with Paul. Um, they're both in Ephesus. Both these, these Demetriuses from historical accounts claim that they, they come out of Ephesus. But this one instance where Paul runs into this individual named Demetrius He's a silver silversmith in Ephesus. Demetrius stirred up a riot in Ephesus because Paul's preaching was hurting the business of making and selling models uh, of the town's goddess, Artemis. Demetrius cloaked his attack on Paul by appealing to the religion uh, and patriotism of his townspeople. Now, if this is the same person, think about that. The fact that if you are struggling and if you are living in a way that's not glorifying the Lord or walking in those ways, not a believer at all, like obviously Demetrius wasn't, and all of us was not at some point uh, a believer. The grace of God to save an individual and to bring them into being a child of God, uh, because that's what he does. It's not by your bloodline. It's not by the works. It's not by your, your will. It's God 
who brings regeneration. It is God who brings you to the point where you become a child of God, right? It's by God and the grace of God that saves an individual that then you can walk in a way that is walking in truth because you have the spirit that resides within you when you are a believer in Christ. And that should be something that if you are a believer that is struggling, know that the spirit is there. The spirit is indwelling you. Uh, you just need to, to get in your word and pray and seek to be imitators or mimic, uh, as Mike said, those in your church, those that are around that aren't, they don't have to be that, that individual that seems to be getting all the fame like we're talking about here. They could be that, that one guy in the church who really gets no recognition, but it just has a servant's heart and is always willing to help and serve other people. And he's not going to get the limelight ever in this life, but he is storing up rewards in heaven because he just desires to serve and love the people of God, his brothers and sisters in Christ. You know? All right. So, Mike, why don't you go ahead and uh, close out the final greetings? Yeah. Final greetings. Starting in verse 13. I had much to write to you, but I'd rather write with pen and ink. Rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. We talked a lot about this last week. Uh, the language here is very similar to what he wrote to the elect lady. Um, in fact, most of the verse 13 is identical. And 14. And again, he gives a traditional, gives the greeting, peace or salom. So this may mean that Gaius may be a Jewish believer and that and that he wants you know he wants them to greet greet the friends friends greet them one by one and I think we you know obviously talked a lot about kind of the importance of the face-to-face communication here John realizes the importance um, of talking with Gaius in that way and not wasting ink in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. You, you pretty much touched on that there, Mike and, and Nathaniel had brought this out last week as well. Um, really the only thing I, I think I could add to it um, is, <clears throat> and really not adding just kind of agreeing with basically is that joy you have when you come face-to-face with a brother in Christ. Like, Nathaniel and I live about an hour and something away from one another. And we could text each other, and we could talk on the phone and stuff, but there's, there's, it, it's different than when we actually get together and you see each other and you're excited to see each other, you're, you're, we, especially when we're doing ministry together. It, there's this joy where we get to minister with one another, encourage one another, uh, and, and th- there's something different about that than just a text or writing, you know? Um, I think letters are very nice and they're personal, um, <clears throat> more so than uh, a text message these days or, or an email, right? I know, um, just for example, when I was in the military, Mike, I know you was in the military as well. 
And when you're away and somebody is handwriting you a letter, I mean, people are taking that time to do that. So I'm not saying that they're not as, they can't be as personal, um, but they're, they're, they're not as personal, if that makes sense. They're, it's somebody taking the time and, and um, it's a personal letter to you, but not the same as getting in, in face-to-face with somebody and being able to have that time with one another. Kind of thing to add. Natty P, or did you spill it all last week? I mean, on that, face to face, I mean, that's why, like, uh, the people who are upset about people not, I don't, I've heard that there are churches that still aren't meeting face to face, which is astounding to me. But, like, that's why it was such a, a big deal for me whenever last year, uh, church I was a member at wasn't meeting for like three months. And, like, that was really, ridiculously hard because uh i don't want to i don't want to watch youtube church i want to go i want to go to church and i want to see my my people face to face i don't want to wear a mask i want to like walk up and hug them and stuff um because it's like that's how it's supposed to be face to face you're supposed to go in on the lord's day and see the brethren you know what i mean and it's like when you're you're robbed of that for one reason or the other whether you're out of town or whether it's something, something worse, uh, it's a, it's kind of difficult. Um, really sucks something out of you. Um, so it's like the opposite, opposite end of how excited Ricky was to talk about getting to see each other face to face. Like the opposite of that is just like abysmal. Like, uh, yeah, man, uh, I think, I think probably there's probably a lot of people out there that can empathize. You know in Canada, they're trying to, trying to enforce that and a lot of churches are complying but there's a ones that are being persecuted for wanting to meet face to face like you're supposed to and it's a really good thing to meet face to face and when you don't have it it's whether whether you're a pastor wangy in in prison or whether you're you're just out of town i mean it's really it's really a rotten thing not to see see your brother face to face and i mean even i don't know I, i i guess i'll just end there well, you know, not to drag this on a little bit, but it kind of makes me want to go down a little rabbit trail here with that is, as you said, when you're out of town, sometimes it, it, it baffles me when someone professes to be a Christian or, or is a believer and they're visiting this area. I know that an individual or whatever that's visiting and they'll be here for the weekend, but they don't want to go to church on Sunday. They want to sleep in and then drive back yeah. home wherever they are. Whereas when we've gone down to the Derby, now this doesn't always happen. It depends. Sometimes it depends on who you're with, who's riding with you. If somebody has to be back at a certain time. So I get, there are circumstances sometimes where you can't meet, but I remember when we went down to Derby, uh, maybe two, two years ago, Mike, I think it was when we came to your yeah. church it was such a great time of fellowship. Like I was looking forward to going to church to yeah. see you, Mike, because we, we here, we do the show with Mike, but we yeah. don't get to see each other face to face as often because he lives in a completely different state. That's like six hours away from us. And so just to be able to go there and then there's people there we didn't even know, but to be able to sit down yeah. and have a fellowship and a, and a meal and just talk with people, th- there's this like-mindedness, this unity yeah. that we have in Christ. And even though we don't know these people, it's just a joy to gather together. So when people are on vacation or they're out of town for whatever reason, and they're like, I'm out of town, so I'm on vacation. So 
that means I don't have to go to church or I don't gather. I'm always a little skeptical. Like, why? I mean, even if you don't know these people, there's a commonality because of Christ. There should be a joy there to go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We did, uh, so my wife and I, we were dating at the time. We were coming back from Florida. We had a couple of our friends um, with us. We're all going back to Liberty. It was a Sunday, and we just found a random church on the side of the road to go to church with, which can be a very scary thing to do if you just randomly choose a Baptist church. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just that the idea of the fellowship of coming and to think about, I mean, even if I go to a different church, that's good and solid. I still miss like the church I regularly go to. And it's not opinion on the preaching or the music style. And they're always very gracious and hospitable, but there's something about being face-to-face with the people I get to worship with every week. Yeah. And unlike the person that Ricky posted a picture of going to church in a hot tub, it's not church. Yeah. And we've talked about it um, on different episodes. And we talked about the importance of the sermon in the church, which is why we go and, there's this very real and like spiritual connection when we're able to talk to each other face to face and to edify each other's and to spur one another in good works that allows us to be one like Gaius and not like trial fees. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's um, been our our show here tonight, uh, episode number 473. Are you walking in the truth? Um, If you have questions about that, if there was things we said tonight you agree with or disagree with and you want to talk to us, you can email us at g220radio at gmail.com. Again, that is g220radio at gmail.com. Or you can comment on this video here in YouTube uh, as well on the, the comment sections. Uh, and uh, or comment section, and uh, we will do our best to get back with you in a timely manner. Um, we do read uh, the comments that come in. Sometimes some of the comments that come into some of our videos, I'm like, uh, I read them, and I may respond, and most likely respond, unless it's really crazy. Uh, but, um, I mean, we do want to hear your feedback, so we, we hope that you are walking in the truth, and if we can help you in any way, uh, we would love to to do that. Uh, we encourage you, as we've been trying to do throughout this show, uh, to gather together with a local body. Gather together with the saints. If you're not a part of a fellowship and you don't know a good fellowship in your area, reach out to us. We will do our best to try to help you. We have brothers and sisters that are all over the place. We know of some good search engines that can uh, hopefully find you a good local church in your area. Um, but as it was said already, um, online, Church is not church. We understand there are some times where there are, there are circumstances that are out of our control. However, that is not the norm. 
The norm for the Christian life is to gather together with the saints. Um, and uh, when, it, when the church becomes persecuted here in America, it doesn't mean we are to stop gathering with the saints. We just might be underground like they are in other countries that it is illegal to gather. But they are still gathering, believe me. They are still gathering to worship the Lord. And so um, we shouldn't fear what may come, but know that we need to be faithful. Be faithful, be hospitable, uh, continue to walk in the truth, and rejoice with brothers and sisters who are walking in the truth as well. That's been episode number 473. Again, that's G220 Radio. Hope you enjoyed the program. Until next time, God bless.